just a bit of a disclaimer before you watch or listen to this episode. Talk about some pretty serious things, all the way from abuse to addiction. So, um, you know, if you don't do good with that stuff, then don't watch. Viewer discretion is advised, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, that's about it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast by our host or our guests are not necessarily reflective of the views and opinions of St. Dominic Academy or affiliated people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to St. Dominic Academy in podcast form. My name is Owen Mitchell, your host, joined here today by cross-country and track coach Dan Campbell. Let's get right into the news. A number of middle-aged people that are getting hospitalized by COVID seems to be growing. This might be in part due to the fact that most people vaccinated are 65 plus, so it might just look like more hospitalizations in comparison. Sports happened this weekend on Saturday, because that's when they happen on the weekends. Baseball lost 6-1 to one against Trape Academy. Both of the lacrosse teams Lot, that's the boys and the girls team, of course, lost 16-5 to against Lewiston. Both the boys and the girls Lewiston teams, of course. Softball won 14-10 to against Trape Academy. <laughs> and there was a track meet at Freeport against Freeport, G&G, and NYA. Liam Lavasser won the mile, and Louisa Geyer-Shaheen won the 1600-meter race walk. I don't have anything else about the other sports because the website we used wasn't like fully updated yet so um, good job to the people that scored. A paper mill in Fairfield is subject to a class action lawsuit due to high levels of PFAS chemicals that were found in wells near it. PFAS chemicals are a group of about 7,000 chemicals that don't break down naturally and are really hard to break down even just in the lab so very not fun, very dangerous. They can cause, they've, or they've been linked to certain types of cancer, um, liver and kidney issues, and birth defects. So not fun stuff. Don't want it in your water. The EPA's limit for PFAS is 70 parts per trillion. Some wells in Fair Fairfield were showing levels of about 20,000 to 30,000 parts per trillion, which is... Two, about 286 times the limit, so not good. These chemicals are nicknamed forever chemicals due to their resistance to breaking down, and they're also found in a lot of house household items, like Teflon. That's why, why Teflon was made, was because of the discovery of PFAS chemicals, and also fire extinguisher foam. Don't eat fire extinguisher foam. That's that's the takeaway from the story. Maine is reinstating its traditional work search requirement for unemployment on May 23rd. It was suspended due to the pandemic. Maine's dog tick population is seeing a very big spike. <laughs> you found some ticks on your dogs, Dan? Many ticks. Too many. Yeah, it says... Um, a mild winter and a dry summer created ideal conditions for a new generation of ticks. Last year, at this time, dog ticks were reported at about single digits. Now they're already at about 300, so definitely a noticeable spike in the population there. It's important to note that dog ticks don't carry Lyme disease, 
so not a huge deal. They can carry Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, um, but uh, an infected tick has never been seen in Maine to date, so don't really worry about that. Spain had a test concert last month with no real outbreak, so that's pretty cool. There were 5,000 attendees, all of them wore masks, but there was no social distancing. Only six people test tested positive in the next two weeks, but it wasn't believed to be linked to the concert in any way. In New Hampshire, a family announced the gender of their child with an explosion. The explosion was so big that some people believed an earthquake had gone off. Had gone off? I don't know how earthquakes work, really. It had happened in neighboring towns. <clears throat> Police are investigating to see if there's any property damage due to the explosion, or the shockwave rather, because the couple would be responsible for paying those damages off. And the explosion was legal, um, used a substance called Tannerite. And that's it for the news. Pretty fun news today. Yep. Alright, let's get, let's get to the questions. So Dan, how you doing today? <laughs> well, on transparent, honest level, um, not good. Wow. Psychologically, I'm strong. Um, spiritually, I'm blessed. Physically, it's not a good day. Mm -hmm. And that's because of your medication you're taking right now? Well, I have, uh, without going into great detail, I have two different cancers. And um, one seems to be arresting itself pretty good. The other one is um, very aggressive in trying to um, make me sicker. But through the, med through the chemo and the medication, and it's all about timing, that um, it makes me really sick. Uh, physically, it makes me sick. Uh, but the sicker I get, the stronger I feel because I've, I've been very blessed. Um, when I look at St. Dom's, I was talking to someone a little while ago out in the office, and um, she was sharing something, and, and what I shared is that St. Dom's has given me a second life uh, through their blessings, through their prayers. Um, so I, I feel lifted. I might feel physically sick, but um, I don't feel sick. Mm -hmm. If that means and answers your question. Yeah. You've gotten a lot of support, definitely. It's very good. Like mm -hmm. the, the GoFundMe. Yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for that. I lost both my jobs. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what were you doing for jobs before? I was a clinical therapist for a company out of Connecticut that was about four in about four or five different states. And I would go and talk to people who had co-occurring issues from um, substance abuse issues to uh, mental issues. And I would go into their home on a, on a weekly, bi-weekly basis and uh, work with them all over the state of Maine, from St. Agatha, Maine, all the way down to Kittery. Mm -hmm. And then I also worked at uh, St. Th um, Thomas, St. <laughs> Dom's, but also Thomas College as a coach, uh, which is my passion. Uh, I have many passions. Coaching is <laughs> one of them. Counseling is another. It's nice that you can put the two together. I'm, I'm very blessed that way. I have for the past, I don't know, 37 years. Mm -hmm. Would <clears throat> you say there's any particular reason why you got interested in those things, coaching and... I did. I do. That's a good question. Um, I grew up like a lot of us 
we grow, and I know several people that I work with too, we live two lives. We live the life inside our home. We live the life outside our home. Growing up in middle school, high school, um, my home was a place that parents wouldn't let kids go to. And it was crazy. And running for me uh, was a metaphor in life now is I'm running towards something or I'm running away from something. And running to me back then, I was running away from something. I would get up at 1 in the morning, 11 at night, slip out my window, go down the stairs, and just go out and run um, just to escape mm-hmm. the craziness. <clears throat> and then I got, and, and I was little, I was skinny, and I wanted to be part of something, so I went out for cross country, and I did really well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ended up being, you know, the number one runner eventually, the captain, same with track, and and, and uh, wasn't a great, great runner because there was a lot of smoking in my house, a lot of drinking, and, and I was exposed to a lot of bad elements in, in phys- physiologically. So I had some great races and I had some bad races. My coach couldn't understand that, neither could I. <laughs> but uh, So I took that, and, and it gave me a second, a, another life. And I realized what it did for me. And when I finally was able in my late 20s, to have opportunity to coach, I did, and I realized the passion that I had for coaching was the same, was given to me when I used to try to escape, but this time I wanted to help kids, mm-hmm. and I could help kids, and uh, I went back to school, got a counseling degree, got a coaching degree, and I've been coaching for 37 years, three sports a year ever since then, and, uh, and that's through God's grace, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, did, did it do something for me? It's been my life. Mm-hmm. You're a great coach, by the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I know for, for a lot of people, too, running is just kind of like, I know for myself, it like definitely has helped improve my mental health. And I'd say mm-hmm. a lot of people could say the same thing. Um, yeah, like, I don't want to get into any, into, into any other people's specifics, obviously. But I just I know a lot of people that, use it as like this kind of escape i think mm. that goes for sports in general um yeah like you said there is something metaphorical about it right absolutely Where, mm-hmm. i love it when they get on the other side when they realize they're not running away from something they're running towards something yeah and um and that's what i always strive for to get um students athletes to run towards their their dreams to run towards and have the strength and the determination, dedication, motivation that they get from a sport, in this case running, uh, to bring that forward. And not only will it help them, it will help another person, but it will make this community and this world a lot better. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. So you mentioned you started coaching, I already forgot how many years ago it was. um, 1984. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, fall of 1984, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. You've coached at, I know you coached at EL for a while. I was at EL from 84 to 2015. Went to University of Farmington for about three or four years. Um, I also did a small, about a seven-year stunt in there, still coaching at EL, but also working in California. Um, kept a promise to a kid in 1989 that I took under my wing he called me on the carpet, and uh, so I went out there for seven years, back and forth, a lot of traveling, and did some coaching out there mm-hmm. as well. And uh, yeah, so coaching 
It'd be a symbiotic. <laughs> Meninda is your son, adopted son. And Absolutely. Yeah. Great um, story. Yeah. Wanna hear it? Sure. Great story. Yeah. It's a great story. As I mentioned before, I went out to California for seven years. I made a promise to a kid. And when I got out there for the first year or two, I had no idea why God put me there. I said, I don't want to be here. I said, and it was crazy. I won't go into what I was doing for work out there. It was, I, I won't, it was, people were on me. City council, police, um, government, engineers, <laughs> because of what I was doing out there. And because I was from the East, they didn't like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't trust me. Um, but in the end, they did. Um, but I had to prove that. So in the interim of that, when this race we put on was ranked the number one new marathon in the country, Santa Barbara International Marathon, Meninda ran in the race. And we would bring in a lot of Kenyans and a lot of uh, great runners from all over the world. Uh, We had every state in the union plus 17 countries in this race. So we, we pay these people big money to come to our race. And then if they won, they got big money too. Mm-hmm. And Meninda came to our race. He found us and he wanted to come. And he was living in, at the time, Texas. I did not know. Well, I did not know he was living in Texas. But we offered him a plane ticket from Texas to Santa Barbara, California. And he said, no, I want a, I want a uh, bus ticket. Who wants a bus ticket from Texas yeah, to a, California? A really you can have a plane ride. ticket. So that was a red flag to me. So make a long story short, he won the race. He set a record. And we always send checks out because it's a lot of money. And he comes to our house because uh, we put him up with a friend of ours where he was staying, and he wanted cash. And it's like, we don't have that type of cash hanging around. Unfortunately fortunately for him, we did because we parked cars. It's $10 a car. About You know, we had about 10,000 cars. So, you know, we had the money. It was $10 bills, but we gave him the money. Well, my daughter, who was a special needs daughter, um, and I say that because she's special. And she comes to me in the house where we're having a party after the race, and Meninda shows up for his money and said, Dad, for someone who just won a lot of money, he's not happy. I said, yeah? What's going on? He said, can you please talk to him? I told him you'd, you'd help him. <laughs> I said, okay. So I brought him into my bedroom with my wife. We sat down only to learn uh, he was not trusting at the moment, but only to learn that he was a product of human trafficking. Um, he, is, he was on the lam. Um, he came to this country, got abused and used. Um, and he ran races that he didn't get paid for. Uh, he got put in a little room, half the size of this, with six other Kenyans. And if they didn't perform, they didn't eat, and they didn't, they didn't get their money. And they didn't get their money anyways. Mm-hmm. And the guy took all their money all the time. So... When he finally trusted me, um, I got him a ticket to come up to Maine in 2011, 2012, and he's been with me ever since. Um, and we, there's a lot of, I won't go into it, lawyers and immigration. He, he testified with uh, FBI, testified with Homeland Security, um, and broke up a ring of human trafficking. Uh, wow. So I've adopted him. Yeah. And that's the reality, isn't it, for a lot of... 
immigrant runners. People don't, that's a good point, Owen, because people don't know that. They look at these great runners and all the, you know, the big money they make, they don't get the money. Mm-hmm. They don't get half the money of what they're supposed to get. They get robbed. They get taken, taken advantage of. And that's just not, I'm not just saying 10%. I'm saying about 75%. Boston Marathon winners, Chicago winners, you know, all the great races, you know, um, all across the country, they don't get the money mm-hmm. that you think they get. They get robbed by their agents or people who said they're going to help them. They're going to help them, all right? They're going to help themselves. Yeah, like I remember I heard this story about um, it's really good Nike runner for Nike. Um, I forget if she was a marathon runner or a sprinter, but she was sponsored by Nike. And they'd basically just tell her to not eat anything. Yep. And just to, they, they like threaten her pretty much that if she did eat, she wouldn't run or she wouldn't get her money or whatever. Absolutely. I had um, three other, well, there was three Kenyans that lived with me for a while. They're all the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. one, one was a girl. And the other one was a guy that was told by the agent to bring girls with him from Kenya so he could use and abuse the girls with his um, friends. Uh, wow. they, uh, you can fill in the, the, the lines on that one. Yeah. And this girl was also uh, molested by her agent. Wow. Yeah. That's reality. That's mm-hmm. a reality. Yeah, it's unfortunate, definitely. Mm. Like, because it's not it's not uncommon at all when you get up to that level to see that kind of stuff. Absolutely, I'd like to be up at that level, but I wouldn't want that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hold a candle to Menendez as a runner. His age now is he's you know he's moved on. He's got a three point five average. Graduated from college, uh, community health, going in a master's program now at Orono. Um, has done wonderful things with his life. And now that we've got all the paperwork done, he will be um, moving on and he will make a major difference, not just in this community. He will make a major difference in this world. And he's done things already. He's worked with the governor. He's worked, put boards together. He's done uh, workshops and seminars that he's put on uh, for the university for the university system. Uh, he's a guest speaker wherever he goes. As you know, he spoke here. I think he I don't know if you heard him speak. It was yeah. a small, small thing, but you heard him speak. That's what Vendetta does. He gives back. Mm-hmm. He gives back. Yeah, very good guy. Yeah. Yeah, helps out at practice sometimes too and just helps us with our workouts and stuff, you know. Smaller stuff, obviously, than the other stuff he's doing, but helps out wherever he can. How has your past shaped your present views? don't know if you really want to get into that because I know it can be... Well, I'd love to Pretty talk personal. about that. All right. I'd love Let's to talk, talk about, about that. that. And, and um, it, may not what, it may not be what you guys think it is, mm-hmm. what's shaped my views. Um, and, and I say this, and I'm glad that we can even talk about this. Maybe somebody will hear it. Maybe they won't. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, I post a lot and go find me a lot. And, um, and I do that for a reason so people with cancer can look at things from a different point of view. My cancer is a blessing. My cancer is the direct result of what we talked about early on, about me running away. The more I, I realized at a very young age that I had a gift, and my gift was I was able to listen, intuitively hear what people were saying, and try to help them through their difficulties. And I, and I realized that made me feel good. So the more pain I was in, emotionally, 
because I never dealt with my own pain, that the harder I work to help people. You know, I got all these accolades. And I don't say this like, oh, look at me. But it shows you my pain. You know, I was Council of the Year from the Governor, uh, Citizen of the Year for, for the City of Auburn, um, five times um, Coach of the Year from the State of Maine, taking kids to the, to the Olympics uh, to, to run, taking kids, to, we've won Masters, we've, we've won, uh, you know, uh, Nationals. Uh, those are all wonderful things. But I would push harder and harder the more pain I was in to give people and help people. So when I got the cancer, I realized that the good Lord said, you got to stop. you got to pause to understand mm -hmm. how much people love you. It's not about you running away from yourself. I'm talking, I'm 69 years old. Now, physiologically, I mean physiologically, psychologically, Physio, you know, you know, philosophy-wise, I understand it. But in actual reality, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't letting people help me. And through cancer, I've had so many outpourings. I mean, I have people fly in from Colorado all the time. I mean, I've had two or three people fly from Colorado. I've had people fly in from California two or three times. People from all over the country come and visit me. Every week, every week I get visitors that like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's because they love me as I love them. And now I realize that peace is being given back to me. So cancer has given me that opportunity to feel people's love. And because of that, because of the prayers, because of the blessings, one of my cancers, which was diagnosed I won't go into as incurable chemo for the rest of my life, out maybe in a year or two, if I'm lucky, came down to, oh, the tumors are gone. Oh, no tumor in the throat. Oh, no tumors in the lymph nodes. Where did they go? And this was a week ago, oh, well, a little more than a week ago. And the doctors just looked at me and they just, and they went out, I remember they went out in the, in the, in the, in the little corridor talking to each other. And they come back in. I said, they just looked at me. I said, do you believe in prayer? <laughs> One of the doctors says to me, uh, could be. I said, that's what happened. Because they weren't treating it. They couldn't treat it. They had to treat the other one. So at no time did they ever treat this. The, um, the um, a squamish cell, they couldn't treat it. They were treating the non-Hodgkins. Um, and they were just baffled by it. And then when they did another report on my, two days later on my non-Hodgkins, tumors in my stomach, gone. The tumors in my chest, gone. It's like, what's going on here? And I said to the doctors, I said, do you believe in prayer? I said, I know you're giving me some good stuff. I said, it's kicking my butt. <laughs> I said, mm -hmm. I got that. But I said, that's the blessing of my cancer, bringing my daughter back to me bringing my son back to me, bringing all these people that I love back to me um, and see it. I mean, I just, I, I have tears in my eyes every day, not because of tears of sadness, they're tears of joy, that I have an opportunity to see heaven on earth. When I was in the 
Tufts Medical. And they told me it was incurable. And then they came and told me, oh, by the way, you got two cancers and we got tumors the size of baseballs in your stomach. My wife and I looked at each other that night and we just like cried. I said, what is this about? Can it get any worse? And they kicked my wife out of the hospital because of COVID. She wasn't even allowed in there, but they let her in for 15 minutes because they brought the team in to talk to me to tell me what was happening. And uh, she had to leave. I was by myself. And one of the head charge nurses at Tufts Medical put her, she was there. She walks in after the team leaves of oncologists and surgeons. And she was there when they were telling what was happening to me. And she comes back in by herself. She gets on her knees and she puts her hands on my legs and she looks at me. She said, what can I do for you? How can I help you right now? And I said, well, I said, I'd love to talk to a social worker and a priest if that can be arranged. <laughs> Ten minutes later, social worker comes in. And I love um, different types of spirituality. I love Hinduism, Jainism, Shanto. I, I, I study that. I'm a student of that. But I love Jesus. And, I, and we talked, and she was of that nature, and so we could make a great connection. And she, and she asked me a very pinpointed question that I understood. And she was there for two hours, and she left. In walks the priest <laughs> right after she leaves. He's there with me for three hours. And he said to me, he listened to me, and at the end he says, what do you want? I said, honestly, what I want? I said, I want heaven on earth. I want to experience this heaven on earth. That's what I want to experience. And he looked at me and he said, Dan, he said, you're never going to get heaven up there unless you understand heaven here. He said, let me help you. I'll show you how. Mm -hmm. And you think you've seen that now? Um, yes, I am living heaven on earth every day. And that's with the tears, knowing that if I were to walk out that door and drop of a heart attack, I'd have a smile on my face. Because I know the love. I understand you, you, you. I don't have to know you, but I understand you. And I understand your greatness. Not your sorrow, not your suffering, but your greatness. So I'm very fortunate. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but there <laughs> it is. Give you an extra eight minutes anyway. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I've heard, I've heard you say something like that before, but that was like the... It was like the whole thing right yeah. there. Yeah. It is yeah. the whole enchilada. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, the piece I left out. <laughs> oh, you got to know this piece. It's got to go in here. <laughs> that night, that very night, I don't know. Maybe I was hallucinating. I don't know. I don't think so. But my room lit up. There was angels. They were there in my room that night. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I don't want to die right now. I don't want to. I don't want to suffer. I don't want my family to suffer. I don't want kids and people who love me watch the suffering in me. I don't want that. I said, what do you, help me. He said, 
37 years ago, he took away my cocaine and my alcohol addiction, and I made a deal with him. I kept my end, he kept his end. I said, can we make another deal here, Lord? He says, yeah. He said, I have another, I have another project for you. I said, okay, what's the project? He said, one you started twice and you haven't finished. I said, oh, <laughs> I know what he wants, okay. So I'm putting a home together, a special home, not just your normal shelter home um, for, for teens who are homeless. Um, and it's gonna be a great model. And I got a great board together of 11 of us. And we're, we're digging hard. We're gonna make this thing happen. That morning, and I forgot to tell you, after that happened to me that night, in walks the team, the medical team again, sits down and says, oh, Dan, we forgot to tell you. Those two cancers, we saw something, we can treat both of them. It's not incurable. We can treat both of them the very next day. Within 10 minutes of them leaving my room, I get a call from someone in the state legislator saying, Dan, how'd you like to start a home for homeless? I'm sitting there, who told you? <laughs> and then I get another call from a friend of mine. I said, okay, okay. So that's how God talks to me. He talks to me through radio. He talks to me through people. He, you know, you got to be open to it. And I'm open to it. I said, I got you, God. I got you. I got you back. He said, no, no, I got your back. I said, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> True story. But anyways, yeah, that's important. Yeah. And is that, are you planning to make that home in like Auburn area? Yes. Or? It's not in Auburn. And um, yes, yeah, so we've already um, getting our 5013C uh, website. Uh, we're, we're, it's, it's really going to be expensive uh, to do it right. It's about $2 million uh, for two years. I won't go into that, but um, so it's going to be a lot of fundraising and a lot of people. Yeah. And it's a community event. I'm not getting involved in state agencies, federal agencies. It's it's going to be run by the community and by the people. So, you know, if it happens, it happens. I'll do everything I can to make it happen, for sure. Mm-hmm. So that that's why it's great. I lost my jobs. I coach St. Dom's and I work on that project. It's great. And once this thing disappears totally. Hopefully by the end of July, that um, um, I'll be on the road again. Yeah, it's definitely good goals. Good thing, good thing you're doing there. Were you telling me about that at in, um, in the winter at a skiing meet? I did. Yeah, you, you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Chemo brain is. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't want to take my SATs doing it uh, this brain right now. <laughs> what what score do you think you would get if you took the SAT right 295? now? 295. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I, I think. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the lowest score is, but I'm I'm sure I'd be I'd be uh, I don't know how much answer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, thank well. you for giving me this opportunity to to share. And you please understand how important St. Thomas yeah. is to me. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And then it means a lot. This is my home. When I said that to you guys, you guys are my you guys are my family now. I've adopted you. <laughs> <laughs> I've adopted a lot of people, but now I need to be adopted. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. I usually have my guests start the outro to say something nice to the audience. Okay. All right. So you want to start that? Well, you want me to say something nice to the audience? Yeah. Just say something cool to him. Yeah. 
I will. I'd be more than glad to. <laughs> I'm a rock and roller. <laughs> I love music. And uh, some people love books. Some people love poetry. I love music. And I think that music is like poetry. And it's also like story, like stories. Um, one of the things, there are many songs that have touched my heart that have given me direction, that helps me help you. And one of the things that I truly believe in that has come to light is out of a song out of the Beatles who said, the love that you make is the love that you take. So my message to all of you, it's not about work. It's not about position. It's not about money. It's about making human connections. And I thank all of you, for those who I don't even know, for allowing me to make those connections in my heart. And please, that's what you take with you. That's what you give to the world. Everything else will fall into place. And, and thank you for taking the time to allow me to speak and share my story. It's from my heart. It's not from my mind. My ego is gone, at least for today. <laughs> so I hope that you all understand the love that you make is the love that you take. And enjoy. Thank you. <laughs>